severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello, I am Jamie McKinley and welcome to episode 31 of Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industry. And I have got my podcast voice on again for whatever reason. I can't, it, I feel like whenever I do these intros, I just have like a phone voice, which is why I tend to ramble on. But anyway, we've got another very good episode lined up for you today. But first, I just wanted to announce something quite exciting. And as some of you probably saw on our social media channels, we have recorded a special episode. And so basically, it's my birthday next week. I'm going to be 25 and... For a while, like quite a few guests and a few of the patrons and a few just people that listen and friends and stuff have always have said, Why don't you we want to hear you on the podcast? We want to hear you being interviewed on the podcast. So I don't know if this makes me a narcissist or not, but uh, basically we decided we would do a special episode where I would appear on the podcast and be the one being interviewed instead of being the interviewer. So basically I am I was the guest on the podcast, which was a very, very fun experience and We asked Rebecca, who you might remember from episode 10, Rebecca Riddle, to come and interview me, which was amazing to meet her in real life finally, because we'd become quite good friends through uh, doing the podcast and lockdown links and stuff, so it was great to meet Rebecca. So we recorded that live from my back garden on Friday, and we had Elliot here doing sound, which was amazing. We had Caroline as well, who's been a guest on the podcast, uh, filmed it. So we're hoping to put that on YouTube as well at some point. Yeah, so there's a birthday special where I appeared on the podcast. And I also, to make it more exciting, was answering questions from patrons, listeners and friends and former guests and stuff. So it was really good fun. It's going to be coming out next week in two parts. It'll be cut, The first part will be coming out on the day of my birthday, which is Monday the 26th. And the second part will be coming out on the Friday of that week. So really, really excited for you guys to hear that. And it was such a joy to just get to record an interview face to face again and just be in the garden and, you know, actually doing it in real life. It was lovely. So, yeah, make sure to check that out. But anyway, without much further ado, it's time to introduce today's episode. And on the podcast today, we have contemporary dance artist Georgia Felina. And me and Georgia had a very, very nice chat. We spoke about contemporary dance. We spoke about well-being, which was really good because we haven't really had a chance to speak about well-being on the podcast. So we spoke about like the importance of movement and creativity and things like that. It was really fun. And Georgia is also part of the Norm Project, which I spoke about on episode 21 with Ellie. So it was nice to catch up with her about what's been going on there. And yeah, it was a really, really fun conversation. And as always as well in the intros, I normally share a poem or a bad review of a great film. And today I just have quite a short poem which I wanted to share. And I think it fits in quite well with the, the sort of spirit of this podcast. And it is by Rupi Kerr. And it's called To All You Young Poets... Your art is not about how many people like your work. Your art is about if your heart likes your work, if your soul likes your work. It's about how honest you are with yourself and you must never trade honesty for relatability. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really good poem. I really like that. But anyway, without much further ado, it is time for today's conversation with contemporary dance artist Georgia. I hope you enjoy and I'll be back at the end. Hi Georgia, nice to see you again. How are you doing? Hi, uh, yeah, I'm really good, thanks. It's, How it's, are you doing? I'm fine, yeah. It's, it's really good. I was just saying to you before we started, you are the first dancer we'd had on the podcast, which is really exciting because the whole inspiration behind the podcast came from that like government admit about like how Fatima the ballerina has to retrain so I feel like it's fitting we need to, we have a dancer on that's good yeah no I definitely was the one of the people sharing that on social media and <laughs> having a few rants about that so <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> yeah but so you're like a contemporary performance dancer is that how you would sort of see yourself yeah exactly so I trained in contemporary dance performance I work as a dancer and also I teach dance and teach fitness as well and dip in and out of lots of different projects and things but that's my kind of main thing yeah you do lots of things you're very busy like your like your freelance efforts are incredible and very inspiring (laughs) thank you yeah always 
picking up new things and keeping busy so I know I remember that when I met you like I don't even know when that was because time is just like stop being a thing but I just remember you tell me about your freelance stuff and be like oh my god like you're very on it you're like considering we're in a pandemic you're doing lots of things <laughs> yeah it's been a strange like everything's cancelled nothing's happening but somehow as busy as ever so it's been interesting yeah That's to good, sort of shift everything it's good though and it's, it's great to see how you'd adapted to like you know moving things online but we'll, I mean we'll come on to that anyway but we like to start the podcast by asking all our guests like what are your sort of earliest creative memories so do you remember like when you first got into dance and stuff? I do yes yeah. so I started dance well I started ballet classes when I was two so I've been dancing a long time yeah I didn't start contemporary dance until I was 18 until I went into full-time training actually ballet and jazz kind of the whole time growing up I was doing classes and exams and competitions and everything when I was younger so yeah I have some vague memories of my kind of early ballet classes but in terms of sort of creating myself I think the earliest thing I remember is with my neighbor who lived opposite me and we used to create these strange shows I think they they were like every other day or something like it was a lot but they were in the garden and we used to like play music on our tape Walkmans and you know drag all the parents together to watch us dance about on the concrete (laughs) so yeah (laughs) no that's fun that sounds very enjoyable and to sort of tie into this question like we sort of ask everyone that comes on as well like how has where you're from had a sort of impact on you as a creative person and just and and your like sort of creative journey and I know from when I met you as well you'd like sort of lived in quite a few places so this would be quite an interesting answer (laughs) yeah definitely yeah I noticed that was one of the questions you ask a lot of people and it's an interesting one for me because when people ask where I'm from I never quite know what to say. I've always lived in the UK but I'm half Italian I've got an Italian passport but then I've lived in like kind of Cheshire I've lived on the Isle of Wight I just spent nearly seven years in Scotland and now I'm very recently back in England so in in a way I think moving around has been part of what's shaped that I kind of really enjoy adventure and going to see new places and the idea of being able to travel with work and see even more new places with it is yeah really exciting to me yeah I think the main place I kind of grew up I would say is the Isle of Wight yeah and I was part of a really brilliant dance school there who were kind of very well known for ballet and very successful and all of that but being in a small town on a small island contemporary dance just didn't exist (laughs) so I remember sort of finding out about it online and I think I must have been like 16 when I like saved up my pocket money and took myself to London and booked a hotel and decided I was going to do a two-week summer school at Larvin which is like one of the main dance schools in London but in a way I think the lack of having contemporary dance where I grew up is what made me so kind of driven to go and just do it myself and explore it and yeah maybe that's part of what got me so interested and sort of determined with it yeah no that that's really interesting as well because you are one of these people just from I mean I've only met you once I know that but like just from like seeing your Instagrams and seeing your freelance stuff like you do very you are very driven and you just have sort of got that like get up and go like I'm just going to do it myself kind of mentality so that's clearly like it's interesting that came at such a, a young age as well yeah I don't know I hadn't necessarily thought of it that way before but yeah I think that maybe is where it started this sort of stubbornness of like this is what I'm gonna do and I'll figure out a way and I might have five side jobs but I'm still gonna do it and yeah make it happen. So is it like at the age of 16 you did that course that was that when you thought like I want to go and study contemporary performance dance? Yeah I never really questioned the fact I just thought from quite a young age I was going to be a dancer and I was going to train I guess I wasn't sure what style that was or whether that was teaching or performing Mm. but yeah I'd always wanted to do something creative something active and I guess for me being active and being creative it's just like the intersection of the two is dance so yeah it's always been that I think it was maybe around like 15 16 I started to find out more about contemporary I loved doing all the ballet and all the competitions and everything growing up, but I didn't necessarily enjoy the sort of competitive atmosphere the whole time. And generally the sort of atmosphere of contemporary dance tends to be more kind of creative, open, Mm. and a bit more experimental and a bit more sort of community driven. So that's what kind of led me in that direction. And then, yeah, I started auditioning at 16. It took me a while to get in somewhere. I've had a lot of like rejections from auditions and things, but just kind of kept at it. 
and when I was 18 I got accepted to the Scottish School of Contemporary Dance in Dundee so I moved myself up to Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) And had you like ever been to Scotland before at that point or was that like just totally just how it came about or just sort of one of those things? Yeah I don't I think I might have been to Scotland once when I was like (laughs) 10 or something but I knew nothing about it. There's only pretty much like four or five contemporary dance courses in the UK and so there's not a huge amount to choose from. I think I was offered a foundation year at one of the ones in London or like a first year in Scotland and the Scotland one was more kind of specific to contemporary so I just went for it. I think originally I thought I was going to do first year and then re-audition to try and get into places in London but I actually just loved the first year of the course that I was on and decided to stay the full four years so. That's, yeah. that's great. Well, we'll sort of talk about your time in Dundee in a second, but I just wanted to quickly ask another question, which is a fun one. And, and obviously, because you'd moved around loads and are half Italian, I'm interested to sort of hear what your answer is going to be. But do you have a favourite word or phrase from like one of the places you're from? Oh, this is kind of I, a hard question. Like, I don't know what I would answer for it, but I just like asking. Yeah, one. that's a difficult one. I think there's definitely been a lot of influences from different places I've lived. <laughs> The, the phrase that comes to mind is from, it's actually from Dundee, it's from the place yeah. where I trained. Um, <laughs> our, I feel like it was just like a catchphrase of the dance school. All of our lecturers just used to always say, be at what you're doing. If anyone who I trained with is listening, they'll laugh because we just had that said to us so much <laughs> over the four years. But um, it's something you kind of hear and you're like, yeah, whatever. And then there's sometimes you're like, oh, actually, I don't know it's quite different when you have that kind of presence in what you're doing so by the end of my degree my whole kind of dissertation project was around how we can be present when we're improvising and things so that's something that I'm always trying to find I guess in quite often in art we can think about creating a product and sort of forget about the process so I'm just trying to kind of shift that focus. Absolutely no that's that's actually really interesting because that's something I'm trying really hard to do is like Sometimes when I have, get into habit, when we put an episode of the podcast out, it's like, if people don't maybe listen to that episode as much that week, I get like, it will make me feel a bit down and go, oh, what did I do something wrong? And then I'm like, well, I enjoyed the interview. I enjoyed making it. Does it really matter how many people listen and sort of make it about the process? I think it's really important. It's something yeah. I keep I keep saying again and again on this, but it is, you know, it's important. Yeah, definitely something. I think it's definitely easier said than done, but it's a kind of ongoing process, I think. of (laughs) Which I think is something you guys are doing really well at The Norm, which obviously we'll talk about soon. But I think that's definitely like a big part of that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we've been having a lot of chats about that with that as well. It's the first kind of fully process-based project I've been a part of, which we didn't didn't necessarily know it was going to be. We just sort of realised it was at some point along the way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the that's the exciting thing about like being creative and stuff that it just takes you in these unexpected places. So you're in Dundee now, was obviously, and like how how was that whole four years? Like I know you were saying you enjoyed the first year. How did take that sort of got you to where you are today? I imagine definitely. I think the course is very challenging, like physically, also kind of creatively. You've got the academic side as well. It's it's a lot. It's a very full on training because I think a lot of uni courses are you know, a few lectures here and there and a lot of kind of independent study, whereas a dance course to get to the kind of level of fitness and technique that you need to be a dancer, Mm. you need to be training all day, every day. So we were in the studios pretty much 8.30 till five every day, at least. And then quite often evening rehearsals after that, sometimes morning rehearsals before that. And then there's also, you know, there's lectures in that you're having to spend your time outside of your kind of (laughs) nine to five doing your essays, doing your research. You're also trying to network, go to professional classes, go and see shows. It's, yeah, it's an intense four years, but I think it really does kind of set you up for what it's going to be like because there's just so (laughs) many different aspects of freelancing in dance that's like that you come out. It's the kind of thing you train for four years in dance and you think there's just so much packed into that time Mm -hmm. and then you come out. And it's like, oh, you actually need to be able to teach and be your own boss and do your accounts and (laughs) about a million other things. So, yeah, no, I loved it, but still learning. (laughs) (laughs) Accounts is one of those things like no one when you study a creative degree, you're like, oh, my God, I don't care. Like, And then when you actually are doing it, you're like, oh, my God, I need to because I just had to do like tax return things for the end of the tax year or whatever. Really boring stuff. I don't know I'm talking about this, but um, and I, but it, it was I was like, oh, God, I, I wish I'd like paid attention more to like how this works. Exactly. There's so many little things that come up, even things like 
you know, how to do social media, how to make a website, all these things that you come out. You know, my training was really great in being a dancer, but in practice and working, there's just, yeah, there's always new things to learn, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, one of the things you did when you were on your course as well, you got to like tour Scotland, didn't you? And you got to go to Melbourne and perform. Yes. So I was part of Y Dance's National Youth Dance Company of Scotland, which is a company of dancers aged, I think it is 16 to 21, unless that's changed recently. But it was during the, I was part of lots of different projects with Y Dance during my time training. And then when I was in final year of my degree I also got accepted into the National Youth Dance Company which was a lot at once but um, it was amazing yeah so we worked with the choreographer Anna Kenrick who runs the company to kind of collaboratively with her we created this piece and it was kind of like amazing really kind of full production we had our kind of custom made costumes all the lighting it had quite a lot of text in the piece and then obviously a really intense dance piece as well so we got to yeah we premiered at tramway in glasgow we toured it around scotland performed lots of different places and then we went on a two-week exchange kind of fully funded to go to melbourne where we performed our piece there and we also made another piece in collaboration with a youth company there so that was an amazing experience and I think they, I'm not sure if applications are open at the moment, but if any dancers happen to be listening that are that age, it's an incredible opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We can like link stuff to this in the show notes as well. Yeah. So like, I'll maybe get you to send me like things like that and we can, people can have them and, and look at them hopefully. Well, so you finish your degree and then when you leave, you obviously sort of just go freelance, don't you? And like, that's kind of what you've done since. Yeah. So I think um, a lot of dancers tend to go for master's programs. There's a lot of either unis or dance companies that run these kind of like MA performance programs where it's like a a kind of company experience where you create pieces for a year and then you tour them. I think a lot of people either come out of training quite young or just feel like they want the experience. And a lot of people go and do those But seen as the Scottish degree was four years, a lot of the ones in England are three. I just was like, I'm ready to go and do things. I did do an internship with Scottish Dance Theatre for two months. It was a dance development internship. So it was all about how to develop community practices. That was actually a great one. And I was kind of supported to like design and deliver a community project. So that's when I started to learn a bit about budgeting and planning and all those things but yeah two months there and then I just decided to go and freelance so lots of challenges along the way <laughs> lots of different jobs I've kind of gone in lots of things tend to be short-term contracts I think that's yeah. the main challenge to be honest even when you're kind of supposedly doing well and getting lots of jobs they're all so short that you're still constantly applying <laughs> some of them are like if it's a teaching gig, it'll be, you know, an hour a week here, an hour a week there. If it's performing or creating, it tends to be like a week of this, a week of that. And then trying to like juggle and kind of like jigsaw them all together is the challenge, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is the same in the film and TV industry. It's like really exhausting because you just can never relax. You can't really plan for anything because it's like you get a job for a few weeks or days or whatever. And then it's like, then it ends and you're like, so you go for periods of thinking, I'm doing really well. And then you're like, oh, maybe I'm not doing well now. I've not got anything. And it's just, it's a very up and down, I feel, all the time. Exactly. It comes in waves. I always say, like, I've either got not enough work or I've got too much work. It's never There's the perfect. Never, like, exactly. <laughs> I, I think the teaching is great because it can be quite flexible around other things. And yeah, that tends to sort of fill in the gaps in between creative projects. But yeah, logistically is always a challenge. <laughs> Yeah. And then, of course, lockdown comes along and the pandemic happens. And and that, I imagine, like really affects your like how you sort of work as a dancer. So how did you sort of adapt to that? So, yeah, complete adaption. I think obviously everyone in the world had to adapt and change the way they're doing things. But I think this is one of the careers that just could not happen at all in the way that it usually would. So, yeah, I had classes. I was teaching a lot of kind of gym based classes at that point. I had classes booked in for a few months then I had a kind of big performance project I was going to be traveling for over the summer um last year and yeah within a week it was all just kind of wiped out my diary was empty which is frustrating when you've worked hard to kind of get all of that set up but even more at the time for me was 
like financially. Yeah. I think it was coming up to the end of the month and my work had just disappeared. Um, obviously, being self-employed, if you can't do your job, you don't get paid. And yeah. <laughs> I was one of the people, one of the many, many people, I think, who just weren't eligible for any of the government help. So, yeah, I'd always been quite against online things. I, I was like, no, live dances, you know, such a special thing. We can't be like just making films all the time where we can't be you know teaching online classes because it's just not the same and you know to an extent it's not the same as being in a packed theatre or being a studio full of people but purely out of necessity at the time I was like I need to do something because I've got my bills coming up so I think I was probably one of the first people I know like literally during the first week of the first lockdown I put up a full schedule of online classes and was like let's see what happens yeah, because I remember yeah. seeing on your Instagram, because obviously it's just been, last week was the anniversary of lockdown. And like, I remember you had like shared a story, it's like one year memory. And it's like, you, so you literally had just done it like the first day of the yep. lockdown, you were, you had adapted straight away. Literally, because I think it was about a week before the official lockdown started, all the studios I would, was working in had gradually started to close. So I'd been like, sort of realising that my work was going to go. And then, yeah, by the time the actual lockdown hit, I was like, I'm just going to do it because I needed to do something. And here I am still teaching online classes almost every day, which I'm actually really enjoying. I'm looking forward to at some point getting back into the studio, but it has been nice to have this sort of flexibility in the agency of just being able to do your own thing wherever you are. I've moved around a couple of times um, over the past year and I've been able to kind of keep these clients who are coming with me on Zoom (laughs) wherever I am. And yeah, I guess I'm not constantly trying to, it's one logistical thing I've managed to kind of get around is I'm not constantly booking studios, paying higher fees, all of that. I can set up wherever I am. If I've got space (laughs) to stick my arms out to my side, I can probably teach a class. So (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's like one of the positives, I suppose. It gives you that like freedom to move around and like you can sort of do it from home and it is more flexible in that sense. Exactly. And then because I'm not always having to go through studios or companies, if I'm setting it up myself and I have a project on one week, I can reschedule, I can explain to people. Yeah, they all kind of know that I'm freelancing and doing this. So it's actually been great in that way of just being able to kind of do things off my own back rather than going through all these systems of, you know, getting access to these spaces. Yeah. And do you like want to tell the listeners sort of a bit of like what sort of things you offer, like your classes and, and everything, just in case anyone listening maybe wants to get involved and sign up? Oh, yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, I do a bit of teaching at the moment for the Scottish School of Contemporary Dance where I trained. I work for Lyra, which is a children's charity. And then I also run my independent classes, which are just, I basically advertise them on my Instagram and anyone can come along. Um, So I teach, it's a combination of dance and fitness, but they're all kind of open level, like anyone can come. I have professional dancers. I have people who've never kind of done that kind of thing before. I try and kind of adapt it for everyone. So at the moment I have floor bar, which is like kind of Pilates, ballet-ish conditioning and a stretch class on Monday evenings ballet on Wednesday evenings and then I have a morning class on Fridays which is a bit of everything strength and stretch to kind of get you up in the morning (laughs) yeah there's very like a good range of stuff there yeah Yeah, I think I'm just so interested in so many different types of movement and it's nice just to be able to kind of share that with people and yeah I take lots of requests of people (laughs) like I want to learn to do this or I want to stretch this or I want to strengthen that I do like one-to-ones as well, which I hadn't been able to do in studios before because, you know, it's not really worth hiring a big studio to work with one person often. But online, I've started offering like one-to-one sessions where, you know, someone will come to me and say, can you design me a fitness class to work around this injury or specifically to achieve this movement or whatever? And I've really been enjoying working with those as well. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And you also have like a newsletter, you do a monthly newsletter thing as well, which is really interesting. Yeah, so that's, I mean, it started out as a way to kind of advertise my classes and to kind of make sure the message got out to maybe people that aren't on social media. Whereas I've actually kind of, yeah, been playing around a bit more with the newsletter recently. I've spent a lot of time over the past year starting to research into why we're exercising or, yeah, just different aspects of well-being. And I've also done a course in nutrition over the past year as well. So the newsletter is 
a kind of the start of something I think I'm going to try to yeah. do more but I'm trying to sort of share information and share things that I'm reading or thinking about as well as just doing the classes. Hello it's Jamie and Elliot here I hope you're enjoying today's episode of Just Get A Real Job I just wanted to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast word of mouth is the best way for us to grow so Please, if you can, share us on social media, tell your friends and family to listen. You can also support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your help. So anything you can do to help us grow this project is very much appreciated. We do appreciate your support as always. And if you would like to contribute or donate to our podcast, we also have a Patreon page where you could donate as little as much as you wish. You can access this by going to www patreon.com slash just get a real job so thank you very much again for all your support and you can also find a link to the patreon page in the show notes but anyway now back to today's show well i was saying to you before we started the interview that you got me into because you shared this podcast feel better live more which is an amazing podcast i've got a link in the show i encourage people to go and listen to it and it's all about like i sort of the title it's in the title but it's all about like things you can do to like help you like have a better life and be healthier and, and improve your well-being and it's different experts talking and stuff but like so i just sort of was wondering like if you would be able to just for briefly sort of talk about like what the benefits of movement are and stuff because i know you're really interested in this subject so it might be interesting for the listeners to hear something a bit different on the podcast definitely yeah I think I've always done you know movement as something because I enjoy it and because I think it's fun I teach fitness classes because I enjoy them but then obviously they have all these benefits for health but I think particularly a lot of people think about exercise as a way to like lose weight or you know look better or things like that which I've never thought that's a particularly healthy way to think about it so yeah, I've put a lot of time in the past year into kind of reading, listening to podcasts, researching the other benefits of movement. And there's just so much for like mental health, for mood, for all kinds of like disease prevention, things like that. Yeah, if people are interested in that, I read a book called Joy of Movement by Kelly McGonagall. And it's all about the kind of benefits for like mood and enjoyment, partly of movement itself but particularly of moving with other people obviously in an ideal world that's in a room with people but we can get some of that on zoom that kind of community of like motivating each other doing something together and I think that's the big part of it for me as well definitely no it's really interesting and I think I like the way that you also use like movement but you combine it with creativity and you make it like almost fun as well which obviously you do at the norm project as well like it's kind of all about like playing and, and that sort of thing exactly I think it's just about exercise shouldn't be like a chore or a punishment it should be something fun and I guess I'm just trying to get people to think about it in that way of like you can do this thing for yourself it'll make you feel good yeah I think particularly on social media I find there can be a bit of not necessarily negativity but not particularly healthy messages around whether it's fitness health nutrition and yeah I've, I've been on a bit of a mission to like curate my Instagram feed of like only positive messages allowed and <laughs> I'm like I've been really kind of calling myself out with like all of the language that I'm using around fitness and movement and yeah making it a fun positive thing is what I'm aiming for and trying to start that with nutrition as well which is amazing it's, it's great as well and it's good to like because I feel like there's a sort of, this is a generalization but I think there is like a sort of maybe a stereotype that a lot of creative people aren't really into fitness for whatever reason Do you know I don't know if you if that makes mm. sense and I think so yeah. yeah there is that sort of I suppose it may be true from people I know but it's like so because I think like if you are able to use like fitness things like that and use movement like it actually really helps you to be creative especially as a writer I find that like if I like go for a run in the morning or just even just move in any way I'm going to get more done I'm going to like be feeling healthier yeah. and feeling more energized absolutely I think yeah I've read a lot about like states of flow and things and whether it's you know running walking any kind of exercise the way that your brain kind of works can help you even if you're not thinking about other problems at the time your brain is in the background sort of processing other things and then more creative things tend to come out after you just made me think as well you're saying a lot of creative people don't think they're into fitness but I also find the opposite fitness people don't think they want to be creative yeah whereas for me they're they go in hand in hand and I don't really understand this separation but I also have a little bit of a mission to you know some of my classes are marketed as this is a 
creative class and we might do a little bit of exercise in there too whereas I also do the opposite I'll teach fitness (laughs) classes but you know there's a little bit of even if it's just in the way things are described or thought about I'll use some creative imagery around what we're doing or I'll try and have some little moments of like play rather than you know me telling you exactly what to do so trying to sort of bring the two together no I really like that this this is just really interesting for me because there's something we don't really had a chance to talk about in the podcast yet so I'm glad like you're here like sort of having this discussion because I think it is important I never thought about it like that but there is this divide you're absolutely right there is this weird I think it's just maybe the way things are marketed as well and how people identify absolutely I think I for some reason I find with fitness and with arts a lot of people seem to see those words and think they're things that they can't do or they think they're not the right type of person or you know that's not for me or I'm too old or too young or you know too big or too small or anything like that whereas yeah yeah I think they go together and they're for everyone and I'm just trying to kind of get that message across to people no it's brilliant and I, well and I hope you you keep doing it because it's an important message to, to get across definitely thank you yeah definitely there'll be more to come on <laughs> Well, before we like move on to talk about the Norm Project, I just have a few like, these are just some sort of fun questions. And the first one is like, who are your like sort of big influences as a dancer? Is like any like dancers that you really look up to? Oh, I'd say a lot. There's, I think it's interesting. I have this kind of little conflict in my head because the type of work I like to create and the type of work I that is my favorite to watch aren't always the same kind of thing so um yeah. some of my favorite pieces I've ever seen were by a choreographer called Joanne Clavier he used to work independently in Dundee but he recently well not that recently anymore maybe a year or two ago he took over as artistic director of Scottish Dance Theatre so they're doing some really interesting things his work is a lot around it's kind of more physical theatre but he tends to work with professional dancers but yeah, it's just very human, very real, very like relatable. He has this way of kind of creating work that is like you'll you kind of watch a piece and you it's really funny and lighthearted, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, that's hilarious, you're laughing along. And then as you leave the theater, you're like, oh, that was actually really like, I don't know, there was something behind it or something very touching. So I find that really interesting the way he can have those aspects. Another favorite choreographer is definitely Damien Jalley, who is like other end of the spectrum completely abstract he takes a lot of inspiration from nature and almost creates like these geographical or these kind of shapes with bodies and doesn't really treat them like humans but more like pieces of art which I find really interesting no that is really interesting and, and something I just wanted to sort of touch on what you mentioned there was because I was having this exact conversation I was interviewing a singer-songwriter last night and she was talking about as well that she like the things she listens to aren't necessarily what the sort of thing she creates as a musician and I think that's totally fine like I think a lot of people are like you know I don't necessarily write the sort of films I watch but I think they still influence you so I think that's like really interesting yeah I think it comes through in a way I guess you might take inspiration and you're a different creative person so it comes out in a different way but it's always a funny thought in my head of like (laughs) why am I watching all these things and creating something completely different but it's probably subconsciously like doing something I think so (laughs) And it's, it's interesting for me to hear about like these uh, choreographers and dance and stuff, because I don't really know a lot about dance and performance and that, because it's not really my area, but I still, I still really interested to like, hear about it and everything. So I uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think uh, it's strange how few people know what contemporary dance is or are like, familiar with it. To me, it's like such a big industry and such a big thing. But yeah, I get asked all the time, like, what is contemporary dance? What What is this thing that you well, do? Well, that is actually my next question. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't have an answer to it unfortunately <laughs> it's, it's hard to define but yeah I guess it's probably I would say if you ask a different contemporary dancer everyone would probably give you a different answer but for me like dance is just the meeting of like movement and art so how can you move your body in a way that's creative to me that's dance and then I think most people are familiar with you know, there's ballet, there's jazz, there's tap, there's these different dance styles. Contemporary, in a way, is another one of those, as in there are techniques within contemporary, like Cunningham, Graham, Release, and um, which are kind of set physical techniques that you learn in dance college. But I think contemporary is a much more open genre for interpretation. It's not, you know, these are the moves what, that we do and we structure it in this way. It's much more open art form no contemporary dance piece is going to look the same as another 
it it could be very like performance art, very minimal. It could be really, really technical, high energy work. But I think I enjoy the variation in what it kind of includes. Well, thank you for answering. I I just like <laughs> I sort of knew a, a little bit like kind of about what it is and stuff. I just sort of wanted you to to hear how you would explain it, just in case anyone was listening and didn't quite know the difference between like say just dance and contemporary dance. But obviously, there's no such thing as just dance because there's different forms of dance and things I think yeah a lot of dance forms are more kind of defined as to what they are whereas there are techniques within contemporary but it also can you know other forms of dance can be used within contemporary or it kind of takes influence from everywhere and it's it sees movement more as a whole than as like for example in ballet you know you have first second third position in contemporary any movement is valid yeah. yeah absolutely no that's really that's good to hear for the listeners um well I just have one last question from the sort of fun specific questions about dance and this is just the kind of like uh I mean you don't have to like have an answer for it because it's one of those again quite hard question but like do you have a favorite dance scene in a film oh I don't know actually <laughs> I'll admit I'm not a huge like film person I wish I watched more films I think I just need to I always enjoy the kind of like independent films and there's so much harder to find. Maybe, yeah. maybe you're the person who suggests here. But yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily a scene in a film, but if people are interested in contemporary dance, that's kind of accessible to watch. There's a film called Anima, which is on Netflix. It's possibly the only contemporary dance I've ever seen on Netflix, <laughs> which is by Damien Jalley, or he worked on it at least. I know a few of the dancers in it, and it's very like strange and abstract but just so like atmospheric and very kind of cinematic in the way it's made so it's it's a good one to watch yeah I'll take a note of that as well because I'm not familiar with that film so that's always good to get new ones that you haven't seen well we can talk about the norm project now which is good because obviously I had earlier on the podcast a few weeks ago in episode 21 and we had like lots of conversations about about the norm project but it's good now as well because I know you just had your residency up in Aberdeen so you'll have more things to sort of add to the conversation but just to sort of recap for the listeners do you want to tell us about the norm project and what it is and stuff yeah of course so it is a collaboration between me obviously a contemporary dancer Ellie who is a performance maker and Rona who is a multidisciplinary artist we're all very good friends it kind of came from a place of like doing things in a very relaxed way as friends and over time has just very kind of organically grown into this thing much bigger (laughs) than what we ever planned so yeah we started in I think around July last year so almost a year now yeah we basically just wanted to look into normality and what normal is particularly around the pandemic we were kind of hearing these phrases like the new normal and back to normal and we just started to be like well what is normal like is it something we want is it something we don't want and yeah we started by asking some questions on social media and I think we were just like shocked and also fascinated by the variation in people's responses people seem to have quite a kind of strong or like emotional response to the word normal and it might be positive or negative they're very varied but generally very strong so we were just like there's something in that and we need to explore it so yeah we've been putting things on Instagram we've been trying to make it sort of interactive asking the audience a lot but we're still yeah figuring it out as we go along I think and I think what I, what I love about the Norm Project personally, and it's been amazing because I've sort of seen it since it started and it's been great to sort of see it grow and see where you guys have all taken it. But what is great about it is I love the way that it's all, you all constantly sharing the process of it. So I think we talked mm-hmm. touched on this earlier, but there's not just like an end goal to it. There's it's, it's like an ongoing process, which I just love. It's such an interesting way of, of viewing art. Great. Yeah, thank you. I think that's one of the things that we are really enjoying from it. So the original plan was we were going to come together, we we're going to explore this topic and we we're going to make a three to five minute film, put it on Instagram and that was the project. We then sort of, for research for that, we started asking questions and then we were like, these questions and these responses are more interesting than what the three of us alone are going to create. So maybe that is the core of what we're doing. We might respond by making things. Other people can respond by making things. But the important part is the conversation behind it all and letting those responses come through. And I think throughout the process, we've noticed people are kind of enjoying hearing our conversations and hearing our discussions. And we've just decided to be completely transparent with the process. I mean, we're all performing artists, but 
in a way there is no performance it's all just real like we've been using audio from our whatsapp chat we've been you know showing behind the scenes footage if ever we have a thought of something new or another kind of line of thought nothing is kind of hidden behind the scenes we'll pose the question to the audience as part of that so it's been really fun to work in a completely different way and yeah very valuable yeah it was really fun to like get to come along to the end of your residency thing I know you did what was like a zoom interact I don't know what what would you call that what we what we did I can't remember there was like a specific like what what was called yeah there was a big debate around what 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 are we doing what are we going to call this I think we went we went with open session that was the word I was looking for I knew it was called like open session I was like what was it again because I didn't want to say Q&A because it wasn't really just the Q&A it was more than that but, um, I think a few weeks before that we did like what we called like a screening where we, it was basically like an open meeting we wanted to have a meeting to like look back on our work so far but then we kind of chatted about it and we were like well if the audience is now a kind of integral part of the process then let's just invite the audience to the meeting so yeah. we had this kind of zoom where we looked back on our work so far and we yeah, we invited the audience in for that conversation. That was kind of in advance of our residency as a way to plan. And then at the end of the week, we were like, yeah, we didn't want to kind of put ourselves under pressure to feel like we had to create something to show by the end of the week, or we, we will be showing some things from the week, but we wanted a bit of time to kind of think and edit down mm-hmm. footage. And we didn't want to rush that process, but we thought, how can we share something with the audience that we feel ready to do? And we thought, we want to share the process so rather than showing what we'd done we just posed most of the tasks we'd done during the week to the audience and opened up for responses from them which was really nice to see we're we're going to be gradually sharing some more of the responses that people sent us and yeah that's driving the work as well that's great and it's it's great to like involve the audience and it was exciting to see where like the norm project will end up because it's like almost kind of exciting because you 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 like guys don't really know either it's just like we'll see where it takes you (laughs) exactly like I think it's nice in that there's no well there's almost no right or wrong like if we haven't defined you know this is a film project or this is a performance project then there's no wrong way to take it we kind of have lots of different little avenues we're going down at the moment and we don't necessarily feel like we have to choose one or you know stick to something we have all these different sort of threads to what we're doing and they're all connecting with different people and as long as they're I guess our kind of overarching aim at the moment is to to get people to question what normal is and if in lots of different ways but if we're doing that then we feel like we're kind of succeeding so yeah we don't feel like we're anywhere close to kind of stopping or finding a finished yeah. piece just... and, I, and I don't think the idea of the new normal is going away anytime soon either so I think it was going to be very t- very <laughs> topical for a while <laughs> exactly I think yeah there's the fact that the pandemic has obviously gone on a lot longer than we'd expected but equally the work started in response to the pandemic but it's kind of moved away from it now I think pandemic has that's what's made us all question normal whereas we're not necessarily talking about lockdown or about you know the way our lives have changed because of that anymore we're questioning normality in a much larger sense now we're kind of swerving away from pandemic and like I would say we're we're currently sort of targeting small everyday habits and like the sort of things we do without questioning we're not necessarily going to prescribe what we want people to go off and think about but there, I guess there is a thought that maybe by questioning the small things, people will then go away and start to question bigger things. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I think they will. And I think like, you know, just by engaging, that's definitely the, the case. But no, it's great. And I'm, well, obviously we'll link the links to the norm again uh, in the show notes as well. And it's great to have a conversation with someone else, you know, because this is the first time in the podcast we talked about the same project, but with from another person's point of view as well, which is really good and enjoyable so thank you yeah well George well just before we round off the conversation I've got like just a few questions for you but this one we sort of ask everyone and this is a really difficult question and I kind of I always sometimes feel reluctant asking it but it's it's just kind of interesting for the listeners to hear what people's sort of ambitions and goals are but like what's the sort of dream for you to like where you want to sort of end up Mm, difficult question I think as a dancer you always want to be able to perform like that buzz of getting on stage and you know having something that you're proud of that you can show to a large number of people having that kind of buzz in the theater I'll always want to do that but I guess partly just you know learning more about well-being and things partly the experience of the pandemic 
I'm starting to sort of value even more the community side of things, the well-being side of things. I definitely think that people can benefit from seeing art and watching but I think even more so maybe from learning, getting involved, creating themselves. So yeah, there's a balance for me between wanting to have this kind of supposed success of being a dancer and getting on stage and doing these things, but I will always want the kind of creativity, the participation and the kind of well-being stuff to be part of my practice as well. So it's a it's a balancing act, <laughs> but um, I think trying to balance performing and sort of sharing the experiences with other people as well that's a very good answer like that's this very concise answer to that question usually yeah. people are a lot more <laughs> <laughs> taken aback by it so thank you I mean I don't I can't say exactly what that looks like or how it happens no. but in my head they're the things that I'm they're the two things that I'm aiming for yeah I'm going on the podcast myself in a few weeks to be interviewed by someone else and that's the question I'm definitely oh, like <laughs> dreading the most I'm like <laughs> I, it's going to be so weird being on the other side I don't know how I'm going to to cope with it but we'll I'll see. Look to <laughs> yeah I know it'll be very probably less uh, coherent just get a real job another something we like ask everyone that comes on is what's the worst part-time job you'd ever had to work to sort of support your art or support yourself as an artist there has been many (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think there's this like as you say I managed to make myself look very busy on Instagram and I'm doing lots of different things (laughs) that are you know relevant to my practice but I've done plenty of part-time jobs jobs I don't want to be doing I have the habit of picking up part-time jobs in order to pay my bills and then leaving them because I get a performance contract for a week (laughs) and then I get back from the week and realize I need another part-time job. (laughs) It's just like a constant cycle. It's difficult. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The worst, I mean, I've worked in bars, I've worked like events, you know, waiting tables. I've worked in as a receptionist. Uh, I've worked in a hearing aid clinic. Um, <laughs> I think possibly the worst. This was before graduating. This is while I was a student. I worked as a shot girl in a club, as oh, in like you know, the person that walks around with the pouring the shots, and <laughs> that was not a fun time. Just working nights, even you know things like being told you have to wear a skirt and heels to work is not the nicest. But um, no, yeah. It's one of the things you do, it gets you by and, you know, it was a laugh at times, but probably one of the not, not <laughs> slightly degrading. Yeah, definitely. Well, this is, this is the sort of reason we asked this question. It's, I think it's one of our most popular questions on the podcast because it just makes everyone feel a little bit better because everyone who's a creative all has to work them jobs like we don't particularly like. So it's just always nice to hear what people's experience of them are and then sort of make it a laugh because it just helps take, take the edge of it. <laughs> exactly. I think like unfortunately in the arts it's quite rare to have you know a steady job or it's always going to be up and down and you need these kind of side things at the moment I guess the fitness and the nutrition are the things that I'm trying to build up to a place of those being my kind of side things as well as the dance because they're also things that I enjoy but yeah there's been plenty of part-time jobs I think my my tactic as a shot girl rather than you know you'd see these girls circling round and round the club all night trying to sell shots to different people my tactic would generally just be to find a table of people who wanted lots of shots and just sit down <laughs> with the bottle <laughs> and just like chat to them and just have a conversation yeah. and they would usually just eventually buy the whole thing and I'd just have been sat there all evening having a chat so that would, that was my tactic <laughs> It's a good it's a good tactic. Yeah. Well, Georgia, before I ask you my last question, I just wanted to say thank you very much for giving us your time. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. It's nice to catch up as well. And you've got some great insights for us. So thank you for that. Oh yeah, no, thank you for having me. I've been keeping an eye on the podcast for a while. I think it's yeah, really good message of what you're doing of like showing this side of things as well. And I'm sure lots of people are having the same thing of trying to juggle things in the arts. So it's good just to be kind of open about it and yeah. Yeah, thank you. Well, just the last question, and you you have offered advice throughout, but it's just if you could sort of summarise like everything we've been saying and sort of what advice you would offer to anyone who wants to be a contemporary dancer or just to anyone who like sort of is a creative in the industry in general, what your advice would be for them? For me, this has been the last few years I've been going on a lot. You've seen me on Instagram going on about, you know, well-being and health and all of this. And I think a lot of people see that as maybe they see it as separate to being driven in their career and 
you know, they see it as, I don't know, a weakness or uh, using up time or whatever, which is going to take away from being successful, whatever they define that as. Whereas I guess I've just realized it might take some time and some effort to put focus into those things, but it does overall benefit, you know, your career, your progression, your motivation, mindset, everything like that. So I just say, yeah, just little things that you can do to kind of look after yourself, whether that's moving your body, eating nutritious food, even just, you know, resting, having time off. It's not going to detract from your career. It will eventually benefit from it, even if that is not kind of direct and immediate. It really does. So, yeah. Absolutely. That's a really interesting answer on that question. I realize I've said the word interested in this episode like so many times. I need to f- find a new word, I think. To, like, artic- <laughs> I had noticed that. <laughs> Articulate what I mean. I, in my head, I was like, how many? T- it must be 20. So you're welcome, listeners, for that. You can go back and count if you want to re listen. <laughs> no, <laughs> be a good it, game to play with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's just like, it's a good answer to that question because it's, again, it's the well being stuff, something we no one's really talked about on the podcast before much. So I, it's just really nice to get that different like view of that. So thank you for that yeah I think I've shared a few things recently just with these you know you see the little graphs of like progress is not linear and that's okay it's not like you're not going to go from one end of the scale to suddenly being successful it's going to be up and down and it's all part of it and you'll learn from it and that is what progression looks like it's not you're not doing it wrong (laughs) absolutely it's so true so true and a great thing to end on well thank you very much for your time George I appreciate it oh thanks so much for having me I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Just Get A Real Job. I would like to thank Georgia once again for coming on and chatting to us. I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, remember, if you want to find out a bit more about Georgia, there is some links to the classes she has on offer. There's a link to her website. There's also a link to the Norm Project. Please go and check that out as well. Some They're doing some amazing work. Also, remember, if you are enjoying the podcast, then there are some things you can do to help us and to help us keep growing because obviously we want to get more listeners and yeah, so... If you are liking the podcast, please consider telling friends and family to listen, sharing us on social media. Another thing you can do, which goes a long, long way, is leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We can't afford advertising, so this is a really good way to help us get seen. We are aware that it's also a very, very difficult time for people financially, but obviously, if you can afford to donate even as little as £1 a month to our Patreon page, we'd be very, very grateful. All the money we make goes back into the upkeep of the podcast and it allows us to do things like the special we did last week. So if you can afford to donate to that, there's a link to that in the show notes as well. But anyway, we'll be back again on Monday with the birthday special. I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. And yeah, have a good week, everyone. Just get a real job.